0: Is the Royal Report. Good evening. I'm Caroline DeRusso and welcome to The Royal Report, the show where every Sunday here on Sky, we delve into the latest on all things Windsor, the coronation, the headlines, the polls and the family dramas. Here's what's coming up on the program tonight. The royal racism row has hit the news again. We update you on the back and forth between Charles and Megan. Is Meghan affecting Harry's brand or is it the other way around? We tell you who's dragging who down. And Charles, William and Kate saw in popularity ahead of the coronation. But first, before we get to that, we must pay tribute to the great Barry Humphreys, who passed away yesterday at the age of 89. Humphreys was an exceptional actor in his own right, but he will forever remain in the forefront of the Australian cultural psyche for his characters, Sir Les Patterson and Dame Edna Everidge. Now, Dame Edna wasn't your average housewife from Mooney Ponds. She did sequins, gladioli and a purple rinse like no other, and she had a wonderful rapport with the royal family, and particularly the Queen. Dame Edna first met the Queen at Windsor Castle in 1977, and she also introduced the Queen at her Golden Jubilee in 2002. Referring to the Queen as the Jubilee girl, and as another housewife that I knew who had a centrally located residence with a backyard big enough for 12,000 people. The dame is also quoted as saying, I think she was a bit intimidated by this giantess of a woman. I've been presented to her on a number of occasions since and I'm a big fan. She's magnificent and I will not hear one word against her, although her sword has yet to descend upon my shoulder, of course. While... The sword never quite descended upon Humphrey's shoulder. He did receive the commander of the Order of the British Empire, the highest ranking order after a knighthood. And it wasn't just the Queen. The Dame pulled this great prank on Charles and Camilla in 2013. Here it is. (laughs) And so with great sadness, we farewell our lamington of comedy and our pavlova of theatre, someone who connected us so effortlessly and so warmly with the royal family and with each other. Someone from a time where we could laugh at ourselves and literally no-one died. The King has already paid a warm public tribute to Barry Humphreys, and will write privately to Humphrey's family to offer his condolences. The UK papers have also paid tribute in their Sunday editions. So to Barry, Sir Les and the great Dame, you have been an inexorable part of Australia for decades and have an unassailable place in our culture and in our hearts. Thank you. Up first is our expert panel with News Corp columnist Angela Mollard and Royal Reporter for news.com.au, Bronte Coy. Ladies, welcome back to the show. Now, before we get started, I wanted to touch on Barry Humphreys. It's a huge loss uh, to Australians, but Angela, it's also a huge loss to the UK, isn't it?
1: Oh, that's absolutely right. I mean, he has lived there, went, first went there in uh, 1959 and has spent decades and decades there. And I think, you know, I love that, the, the clip that you played with uh, Charles in, in Camilla. And I've been at those Royal Variety performances, had to cover them for years for British no- newspapers. And I think the essence of why the Royals loved Barry Humphreys was that a lot of their work is just dead boring. It's a lot of handshaking. It's a lot of remembering people's names. And people talk very sort of sincerely, sincerely to them nobody ever quips a joke because they never want to say the wrong thing so for to someone to go sort of come and sit next to them, as you saw in that clip um um dame edna put her hand on, on on camilla you're not supposed to touch a person that's that's royal i think for the royal family and for the whole of the uk barry Humphreys was just rude funny he crossed the you know the erudite and the populist he did it so brilliantly
0: he really did. And, Bronte, Dame Edna had a way of connecting people, including everyday people, to the royal family.
2: Absolutely, and as uh, Angela said and as you said at the beginning of the show, that clip of Charles is just the perfect example of why that connection was there. It just, Dame Edna had a way of just cutting straight through and just making people feel at home and actually watching Charles' face, and again I've watched this clip a number of times, but I was really struck by the fact that he just was having a belly laugh, and that's something that's so rare from the Royals, and we saw that as well with Barry Humphreys out with Diana a number of times. They were apparently close and also Barry had mentioned that uh, the Queen had told him that she was greatly entertained by his shows so I think that it really did just it was I mean obviously there's people all over the world that are mourning the loss of him today but yeah we've definitely seen he had a special connection with the Royals and I think it was just his ability to well Dame Edna's ability to just cut through and, and make them feel like everyday people and take you know make fun of them in a way that was that they could relax really
0: yeah, and that's that's a real art form in itself. Now, Angela, uh, it's been claimed this week that Prince Harry may be a drag on Meghan Markle's brand rather than the other way around. What are your thoughts on that? Look, I've seen this and I've been
1: wondering about it, thinking, you know, who is the person that's more of a liability to the other? Look, we know that Meghan's a sophisticated woman. Harry's not that intelligent. There's been a lot of um, uh, focus pulled to Harry's book and whether, and you know, Meghan would not have been happy to have featured on South Park. But in all honesty, I think Team Sussex is in free fall. I genuinely do. I think the fact that Meghan was not there really supporting Harry in the spare tour that, um, you know, as he was doing his part publicity, the fact she's not going to the coronation. I'm really worried about this couple. All they have is each other. They don't, you know, they don't have connections with their family uh, on both sides. I mean, of course, Meghan has Doria, but she's fallen out with her father and wider family. Now, of course, Harry's fallen out with his family. They are not a couple who are practised in being conciliatory. So if there are problems within their relationship or there are conflicts of interest between what they want to do in the future and if Meghan wants to sort of style herself as a Gwyneth Paltrow goop part two, then Harry is going to be a problem around that. And I don't think that they have the communication still skills to navigate that sort of territory. So, yeah, I don't know if it's a one or the other as a liability. I think both of them are no longer a team.
0: And Bronte, I think that's a really good point. Once the coronation is passed and it's out of the news, and I know we
2: talk about this often, but what's there to sustain the Sussex's brand? Really, that is the million dollar question and that's what we've been asking since the Queen passed away last year and Harry was brought back into the fold of the Royals so to speak because he was over there of course with, um, for the funeral and and as was Meghan and then of course there was all the conversation around whether or not they'd go to the coronation, there was a Netflix series, the book, they've absolutely been in the media and in the spotlight but after the coronation where does that go? What's next for them? I will say I'm hesitant to say that they've surely fired all their shots at the Royals because whenever I've said that in the past they seem to have had more but I do believe that the the memoir was Harry's final shot, it seems. Um, but then of course, will Megan then be left with the only option to release a memoir of her own? I don't really know what comes next for them. And it, it does seem like there's not really a clear strategy in place, nor has there been for some time.
0: No, I think that's a fair that's definitely a fair observation now Angela it'll come as no surprise to you and again we've talked about this before the relationship between uh, William and Harry remains at all-time lows but apparently there's some development this week
1: yeah look there's some a lot of questioning about what's going to happen at the coronation and the fact is that apparently that you know this relationship is worse than we think it's it's just on its knees the relationship between William and Harry and, and, and look there's a lot of thought about how they will be positioned um, at Westminster Abbey during the coronation. I don't think we'll see them sitting next to each other. In fact, I don't think they will exchange a word over that day. The reports are saying that Harry is going to jump on a plane as soon as uh, uh, the, the coronation is over. By my um, calculations, that would put him on a plane. He couldn't be on a plane before 3 o'clock. And the whole thing is that he's going to be there back for Archie's birthday. He won't get back to LA till 7 o'clock at night. It's ludicrous. But from William's point of view... Seriously, is this man Harry his brother or is he someone who sees him as a content provider now? If you think about the details that were given away in spare about, about William, about his temper, about the argument that they have, about his genitalia, about his wife, he has criticised his brother in all the most personal and private areas of his life. I don't think there is ever
0: going to be a reconciliation. Mm that that is that that is a Absolutely a possibility. And, Bronte, just on Archie's
2: birthday, that is the day of the coronation, infidations have gone out. So who's coming? Well, we don't know 100% who's going yet, but actually there's been some talk that the party may actually happen on the Sunday because, as Angela's just mentioned, so we know Harry will be leaving the UK shortly after the coronation ceremony, which is happening Saturday morning, same day as Archie's birthday. So there may be... The party may actually be on the Sunday itself. What we do know is that it's going to be a low-key celebration at their Montecito mansion. The guest list is still not confirmed, but you can be pretty sure that their neighbours, Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi, will be there because they flew over to the UK to meet Archie when he was first born, and they're quite close friends with Harry and Meghan. Uh, People like Oprah Winfrey are likely to be on the guest list. Uh, Doria, Meghan's mum, will, of course, be there. You've also got people like George and Amal Clooney who they're really close with and their twins are around the same age as Archie and, of course, Serena Williams, who is Meghan's best friend. Uh, her daughter is also around the same age. So it looks like it'll be an intimate party and a pretty A-list guest list, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Can I just yeah, say, well, Caroline, no that sounds be, the most boring party, yeah, it doesn't as well. it? I just want to say, if you're a four-year-old, do you want those people to be there? Like, you could have all your cousins in Britain, you know, all those people gathered. Why didn't they take Archie? He could play with all his cousins and it would actually have a really nice time rather than all these famous
0: celebrities who are, like, four decades older than him. Sorry. Well, you would wonder, but you wonder who the party's actually for when that there is actually the guest list. But Angela, while we're talking, and while we're talking about the Royal Children, some lovely photos this w- were released this week. One of the Queen and her grandkids, I think, taken at Balmoral, and one of August and Sienna at London Zoo. Um, They're absolutely beautiful photos. And, and what do you take out of these releases? Yeah, look, I absolutely
1: love that one of the Queen with her grandchildren. And and just to re-emphasise that point, all those kids there, you know, your cousins are the people that secure you. For Harry, and during his life, it was people like Zara and Peter Phillips and, and Eugenie and Beatrice who, you know, really gave him a sense of, of an expanded and close family. But as for the photos themselves, that one, of course, was taken by the Princess of Wales. Beautiful photo. What's really interesting about the Sienna in August picture is that that's the first picture we've ever Ever seen of Sienna. She'll be two in September. And to Meghan and Harry's point that you couldn't possibly have a private life if you were royal and living in the UK, Princess Beatrice is ninth in line to the throne. She's married, she has a stepson, and she has a daughter who's nearly two, and we have only just for the first time seen the back of her head. So if you want to, if you want to have a perfectly private life but still be a princess, you can actually have a quiet life away from the cameras if you design it that way
0: and that there ultimately uh, that comes up that comes down to the parents and what they choose for their families look ladies that's all uh, we've got time for our chat tonight thank you so much Um, Angela Mollard Bronte Coy thank you for joining us now up after the break is Prince Harry homesick My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to the show. Our next guest is Royal Editor for The Mirror, Russell Myers. Russell, great to have you back with us. Now, look, there's been a little bit of a row over the last 24 hours or so about a letter Meghan Markle allegedly wrote to King Charles about racism and unconscious bias after the Oprah interview. Uh, What were the allegations? And after this back and forth, what seems to be the actual position?
3: Well, good evening. Well, you're right. I mean, it, it doesn't seem that uh, you know, we have 24 hours in royal land rather than there is a row. And uh, and we've got a, a scoop by the Telegraph here in the UK divulging information about this letter that Meghan had sent to Charles. Now, this is in a response to him sending her a letter. If you cast your mind back to about t- 2021 after Harry and Meghan did that explosive interview with oprah winfrey and those allegations of racism within the royal family Meghan said she pretty much had felt abandoned by the family and the institution uh, leading her to pr- pretty much you know wanting to take her own life the things were that desperate now the the context of those discussions were apparently that Meghan had revealed the identity of the royal that they refused to name in those conversations that had made derogatory comments racist remarks about their unborn children. And, uh, you know, Meghan was certainly not satisfied. Now, I think it's very, very telling that this is sort of coming out now because we're leading up to the coronation. We don't know the source of this story but one may wonder whether this has sort of been put out by the sussex camp um in order to, to try and smooth over the relationships between megan and the family because there's been a lot of talk about why she hasn't attended the coronation of course it's their son archie's fourth birthday on the same day may the 6th but uh, i think there's still a lot of questions that remain unanswered
0: Mm, Fair enough. But, and as we get closer to the coronation, you know, we're only two weeks away now. Um, There's been a poll out that's showing the popularity of William, Kate and Charles is soaring, but that's expected, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think Meghan and Harry have had a tough time of it recently. A lot of that, that is their own doing. I mean, they've been speaking, as we said, of Oprah Winfrey Netflix series. Harry's book has been pretty explosive. Nobody came off lightly at all. And, um... We're seeing a bit more of the king, queen, Consort, prince and princess of Wales as well, the nation. I mean, I think it's pretty split, to be honest, because I think you're seeing a different poll every day about some. You know, a lot of people are behind the coronation, behind the king, the, the, that sort of round of goodwill after the Queen's death has kind of been replicated to King Charles, but I definitely do think there is work to do. Um, and, you know, we are seeing a bit more of William and Kate over the last few weeks. So, listen, I, I think it will be quite telling over the next few months about what work they are doing, how much we are seeing them, and, of course, how much we hear from Harry and Meghan.
0: Now, we, we spoke last week about Harry and Charles, how they had their heart-to-heart. Um, there's been reports this week there's a bit more in train to mend that relationship.
3: Yeah, I mean, again, Harry was obviously seeking reassurances and about what that would mean. Certainly his security, where would he be placed within any kind of seating plan? We know he's not going to be in the uh, procession. Now, the reports are saying that he's, he's, he's homesick. He does miss his family. But I think we've seen that already, certainly with the interviews that he was giving in the lead up to the publication of his book. He was saying, I want my father back, I want my brother back. But... very hard to see how that marriage is up with his attitude and that is the issue of doing these interviews writing this book and he must have known surely that his his family would be absolutely devastated at these uh these allegations and claims of their behavior towards him and his wife so i certainly think that that we have to get the coronation out of the way the family have that to really focus on and uh, the business for, for them is certainly not focusing on harry it's doing the job in hand and then you know, maybe somewhere down the line there'll be some uh, some method for, for reconciliation talks.
0: And so we know he is coming to the coronation and he asked, has asked for a few things, some things he'll get and some things he won't. Uh, where are those negotiations up to?
3: Well, one may c- consider that they are at least in part concluded because he has said that he's going to come. But I think the, one of the big issues as I said earlier, was that uh, this court case with the British government about the decision to take his security way is still rumbling on in the background. Now we've seen him uh, attending court over the last few weeks. He's got several court cases uh, going on at the moment and i think that for him personally he will just want to come support his father and then make it uh, make a sort of swift exit afterwards and uh, those conversations will have to happen for another day he's already said he's had multiple attempts it seems of uh, of trying to talk to his his father and his brother and they've sort of fallen flat so um, I think, for for his part, the family wants to, to to see him not carrying on doing these interviews and attacking the rest of the family. They know where he stands, and so it's very much a case of them coming together at a later date.
0: Mm. And it's recently been reported that Camilla is likely to be a bit nervous about the upcoming coronation and that her ex-husband Andrew Parker Bowles will also be there. Now she's spent a long time in public life. Um, is it a surprise to you that she's nervous and and what are your thoughts on Andrew attending?
3: Well, I'm not I'm not uh, surprised at Camilla. I mean, it's going to be a huge event. You know, talking about hundreds of millions of people watching this around the world. I did a a story last week just about how the planning was still pretty... You know, there's lots lots of tension within the planning because uh, they'd only had one rehearsal. Uh, That was timed and and went significantly over. I mean, we've seen there's an awful lot to prepare. There's been sort of dawn rehearsals on the streets of London for all the thousands and thousands of armed personnel that are going to take place. And uh, no doubt she's nervous, but uh, I'm sure... Uh, it'll be all right on the night, as they say. So, Andrew Parker Bowles is attending as well. I think that shows you another demonstration of a blended family. We've seen that Prince George is going to have a part, and certainly Camilla's grandchildren as well. And these two families coming together to, to try and support each other. So, I didn't think that was too much of a, of a surprise. Now, we still don't know where Prince Andrew will fit in. Um, obviously, he won't be in the procession. He's not a working royal. We won't see him on the balcony but certainly where will he be sat? we've seen him a uh, bit more front and center over the last few weeks uh church with the royal family at easter sunday he was right behind the king and queen and striding alongside his sister so uh, you know i think there will be a, a, a few raised eyebrows if he has a, a role a larger role to play and i suppose we'll just have to wait and see
0: Still on Camilla, Uh, we've discussed on this show a few times that underlying rancour about Camilla taking the title of Queen instead of Queen Consort, uh, that hasn't quietened down, has it?
3: Well, no. Again, he's talking a lot about polls over the last few weeks and it's whether to trust the pollsters on anything. I'm not too sure they get most right. However, certainly I think it has been a remarkable shift for Camilla. It's been a, a PR masterclass because you look at what she's had to contend with certainly in her early royal life she was uh really public enemy number one that people didn't think that Charles should have married her I think we look at Harry's book and he says himself that both he and Prince William begged their father not to marry Camilla and then he did and it was all about her sort of rehabilitating her public image and I suppose she has done that remarkably well she's rolled her sleeves up she's got on with the job she's understood what royal life is about and uh, and that should be um, applauded because she's brought really taboo subjects to the top of the agenda, looking at royals speaking about domestic violence would have been unheard of.
0: Look, I know Camilla was controversial in the past or has been controversial, but she has played a faultless long game. She has been excellent for such a long time. Look, Russell Myers, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening and we will speak with you again shortly.
3: My pleasure, thank you.
0: Now, just before we go, I want to finish the show with the cutest and most adventurous member of the royal family, Prince Louis. He turns five today, and the palace has released a couple of gorgeous birthday photos of the energetic young prince, exactly as we love to see him, playing outside and with a cheeky smile on his face. No doubt he keeps the Cambridges on their toes, and no doubt parents around the planet are relieved. That it isn't just their young ones who can't sit still at formal occasions. And that's the show for tonight. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back at the same time next week with all the latest on the Royal Roller Coaster. Good night.
3: A troubled young woman,
0: her evil parents.
2: We never had any issues between us.
0: Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.